0: welcome to the next tuesday
1: podcast we're your hosts i'm caroline i'm Susie, and we're making women great again even though we were always great we'll see you next and every tuesday This so
0: fucking cheesy <laughs> i know <It's>
1: so <laughs> hey happy podcast listening day It's our favorite day of the week. I don't know about you. I've been listening to some mad podcasts lately. I don't know. I've been listening to probably three a day. Wow. I mean, not just ours, obviously, because we don't have that many. But We're almost
0: on episode 20. It's insane. That 20, well, it would be 21 weeks in a row, but I mean, just the fact that every week for 20 weeks, we put something out into the universe on top of like, you leaving a job, me transitioning, kind of figuring out our lives, yeah. figuring out what businesses look like, having no fucking clue, to be frank, like, really what we're doing.
2: But, like, somehow, it's all happening.
1: Dude, this is awesome. Um, But what I want to talk about, what I wanted to ask you, because, like, I always try to think about something to talk about before we record this random opening that we do every week is, how was your 30th birthday? Aw, thank you to everyone
0: who liked. Thank you for making a post and putting it up like, how oh, it feels. My 30th birthday was amazing. I danced into it, literally. Like, Ryan and I found this, like, awesome beach bar, and they are playing cornhole, and nice. they had a DJ, and we started the dance party, and then all of a sudden I was 30. Dude, So I danced into it. Literally dancing Literally. into 30. Dance, dance, dance. Yeah, it was great. And now, here I go. Here I go, here I go, here, here I, I go.
1: I don't, go. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's stupid and white. How was your 4th of July? It was good. I didn't do anything. I kind of just chilled and then watched fireworks, Listen to fireworks from my porch, because there's houses kind of like blocking the fireworks, but we listened and saw the sky light up. And then after that, I went, I mean, I was doing work, and then I drove down to our alma mater, shout out to Elon. Where you belong. Yeah. For some board meetings, and it was really cool, because we did... A ropes course, which is, usually I'm like, oh, so fucking lame, like, uh, it's so stupid and a waste of time. It was actually really, really awesome.
0: That's pretty cool. So,
1: I don't know if, like, as you get older, they just become more applicable and you, like, appreciate ropes courses more. And all
0: the metaphors and, like, the way that you solve problems, you're like oh, I have this new way of seeing how this may relate to who I am in the world.
1: Yeah, because, like, I mean, when I was younger doing ropes course, I was like, this is just stupid. Like, how is, like, getting across a law going to help our teamwork? But now, I mean, I don't know if it's because when you're in college and younger, you have all these shared experiences where it's like, Oh hey, you know we're running from the cops together. We're bonded for life, so you don't need a ropes course to bond you with people, or what? But like, it was really cool, and I felt really connected to my fellow board members.
0: Uh, for those of you who might just be listening, Caroline is on the board of not one university, but two young alumni. Let's get well, super. It's let's fancy. She's knock fancy. Myself
1: way down there. Wow,
0: well, she's fancy. Well, it's interesting. Like thinking about that, I'm thinking about our episode for this week where I think. There are two words that stand out to me in all of these podcast conversations we have with people. It's one is intuition and two is
1: authenticity. Dude, I those are the words I was thinking of because those are like the words of our life right now. Everywhere.
0: Everywhere. Everywhere. Every single person we talk to. We're all evolving into these new, maybe not new, but just evolved ways of being. And I think it's curious, like when we think about kind of evolving in our years and our bodies and looking back it's like turning 30 it's not like I'm not like oh man I'm so old or like oh I'm so different but I look back and as I've been reflecting on all of the you know 20 some years I'm just like holy shit At every point, I thought I had all the answers and I had such this complex of like, I am so authentic. This is who I am. This is who I'm supposed to be in the world. This is what I'm going to do. And then it's like 29 hit, then 30 hits. And it's like, I just look back, and I'm like, oh, you little girl. Yeah. Like, and not in a, like, all you 20-something listeners. Like, you might have your life way more figured out than I did. But, like, let me tell you, at every single point, I thought I had it figured out. And I was listening to a podcast, talking in podcasts, and I forget the name of it, but it's, like, the author's corner. Or it's, like, mm-hmm. Brené Brown, or maybe it's not her, but she was on one that I was listening to. And it's, mm-hmm. like, Dana LaPorte or... Elizabeth Gilbert, it's like these creative minds that we're talking about writing Mm -hmm. and about memoirs and about sharing your wisdom with the world authentically and moving from these hunches that we have about what direction we go and then authentically putting it out there. And I forget who, and it was a while ago, but someone was like, until you're 30, you have no, you just, you don't need to write a memoir. Like you have no... I've right. written anything yeah
1: that's like when people our age or like celebrities ever like put out their memoir and I'm just like what the hell are you what do you have to write about
0: essentially they're like chill chill your engines you have a lot of life to live sure you have some significant hints of wisdom and let me tell you like there are so many blog posts I've written where I'm like yes this is it and they're like yeah they're little like bite-sized pieces of, <laughs> but then I like it's, it's kind of true. I like look ahead of me and I look at myself, um, at all these points. I'm just like, I'm a child. Yeah. No, we don't know shit. Yeah, we don't. And, and this is being authentic
1: and intentional about it. This is us sharing us with you. It's a really interesting that you're talking about this too today because I was talking to a client. We were kind of interviewing and they were exploring, engaging me and they're like, you know, what's your experience with this, with that? And I'm like, You know, I was talking through my experience with what I do, and I was also like, but, I mean, you have to remember, even lawyers, and what I have learned, which is amazing, even lawyers that have been in the field for 20, 30 years... There's always something new, and things are always changing, and so no one knows what they're doing. Well, isn't one hundred percent of the time?
0: Yeah, in any career. Yeah, in any phase of life. As a kid, like I always looked at my parents—no offense, parents—but or older people, and you're like, oh my god, their life is so boring. They go to work, like, and oh my gosh, I was sitting in school, like, dicking around, being like this is so stupid, but I listen yeah. to that at least that work, when, if you follow your passion and you do what you want to do, work is exciting, like, who says work has to be, sure, there are parts of it Yeah, suck, and it there, it there, are, so. there are, like, moments where you're, like, I hate all of this, and what am I doing, but, yeah. like, when you are in alignment and you're moving, again, passionately, purposefully, and doing all the authentically. things, yeah. and authentically, yeah, you're on your path, it's, like, this doesn't have we don't have to frame it as this like challenging difficult grind that we wake up and feel hopeless it's uh, it can be this yeah. really big adventure and there are always parts of adventure and travel that are challenging and you have to figure some things out but when it's not like a nine to five and you're working for the man and you're like fed up and you don't know what you're doing like these people that we're speaking with who are like carving their own way it,
1: it becomes this A more enjoyable experience. Yeah. So put this on the calendar for next time because there's a lot in that that I think is really important to talk about. I think We we need to talk about the glorification of overwork.
2: Mm, And busyness.
1: um, The glorification of busy and the glorification of overwork. I think that's important. So look forward to that next time, y'all. But until next time. And on your radar, so Caroline and I in the next few weeks
0: are going to start mapping out what we're doing. Like I think we've alluded to this a million times, but... As my life opens up with more free time and we get past episode 20 something, people and we have some frame of reference. Anyone who is interested in helping us figure out what the F we are doing and what you're interested in and wants to be part of a focus group, um, just shoot us an email at Next2's Podcast if you want to help
1: us. Growl. Yeah, I think it's more if you have any constructive ideas or criticisms and or what you would like to hear more of or hear less of. Totally. Um, because we would love to hear that information as we – because we're still in a space where we can change things and pivot a little bit. So if you would like Ooh, pivot. to share – a love corporate jargon. If you would like to share that information – Please do remember next to's podcast at gmail.com.
0: Yeah. Let us know what you like and let us know what you're not so interested in.
1: Okay. And we'll keep it
0: authentic. So on that note, this episode is extremely authentic
1: (laughs) for lack of a better word, but it's awesome. I like this episode because we talk about the, um, place of a supportive male role in a female's career and entrepreneurial journey, which I think a lot of times guys can get pushed to the side, but they're great partners. There's a reason. Mm -hmm. There's a reason that we marry them sometimes.
0: And the courage that they instill in us as well to say, like, you can do it. Yeah, man. So without further ado, we have Bethany Silva from Guestroom Creative. (laughs) woo (laughs)
1: Hey. Welcome. Welcome
0: to the next Tuesday podcast. Hey! Hey! What's up? We are here today with Bethany Silva of Guest, Guest Creative.
1: Creative. <laughs> we have her website pulled up. It looks great. There's lots of greenery and animal print, which we love. What do you do?
2: I do graphic design. I started my business in at the end of January. I quit my full-time job. And watch Guestroom Creative. I know. It was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. So
0: what was your full-time job before Guestroom Creative?
2: I do graphic design.
0: For a firm for, or um, a marketing? Um,
2: a corporate company. Okay. I was in D.C. for a while and then I moved here. But oddly enough, I actually did not go to school for graphic design. I went oh. to school for advertising and PR. And oh, I, PR of Girls Unite. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> so you know, I actually had a
0: minor in graphic design.
2: Oh, that's awesome. I was one class shy of a minor.
0: I was <laughs> one class shy of communications minor. Actually, I could have probably claimed communications to be my minor, but
2: Whatever. I didn't. It's not about us. It's about you. Tell us more <laughs> about you. Yeah. So I did a couple classes in college for graphic design. I remember at the time, I think it was like... 2007 2008 and I had a lot of friends who went to school for graphic design and no one could find work Mm. and so I decided I'm going to be smart I'm going to do something that's a little bit more broad and so I did advertising PR and I dabbled in some web stuff I dabbled in some design I dabbled in some video and some photography and I figured this is great I'll graduate and I will be able to do like a little bit of everything Mm -hmm. and then I graduated and I realized I don't know what the hell I'm gonna do like, I don't <laughs> think that I was fully prepared for like marketing and advertising you go to school for it and then you leave and there's so many different avenues you can go in yeah. and then you're supposed to get a job but you know I remember being on on Craigslist typing in marketing job and I went on so many interviews that was like hey can you sell these knives or can you
0: go door yeah. to door
2: and sell this phone service and, and you're like
0: this is not what I went to school for exactly yeah
2: but I, I, it took me, I would say, probably until about 2010. So it took me about two years to realize that I really wanted to do design, but I wasn't really sure that I could, I could actually pursue it because I didn't go to school for it. So I started doing stuff on my own. I actually got hired here with a local salon to do their marketing and their uh, graphic design, and that was really fun. And the more I did that, the more I realized... Graphic design is really what I want to be doing. And I kind of bounced around a little bit. Um, I ended up back in D.C. working for a home security company, and uh, which sounds super boring, but it actually ended up being the most fun job I've had. I was there for almost four years, and I was hired in, in their marketing department to do some like business sales stuff. And then I was on a lunch break one day working on a friend's wedding invitations, and the web director saw what I was working on. And he said, oh, you can do design. And I think he was thinking, yeah. ooh, free design. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we don't um, have to hire someone else. Right? Yay! And so I was doing an internship at the time because I couldn't find full-time work. And um, it was a really awesome paid internship, though. Was the best one I've ever heard of. And so then they transitioned me to the design team. And next thing I knew, I was being hired full-time as a graphic designer. And I moved from intern to junior to mid-level and I remember thinking I can't believe I can't believe that this is happening I can't believe someone is taking a chance on me and I didn't go to school for this
1: yeah that's awesome I mean it kind of goes to like not and you weren't doing this but you were in a way it's like you know embracing the fact that you have skills and (laughs) like (laughs) acknowledging that you're good at it you know so it's like sometimes if you have a you know, I feel like if he'd come up on you and you're like, oh, this, like, it's nothing. I don't know. What do you talking? It's fun. Like, you probably, I probably were... said that. <laughs> well, true. But probably at some point you're like, yeah, this is what I do, like, outside of work. Yeah. <laughs> I know? think
0: sometimes, you know, other people can see our fabulous qualities that we can't acknowledge ourselves. Sometimes I think there's information or we're good at things that just feel natural to us that don't feel like maybe a talent, or something that we do professionally, Mm -hmm. that actually if you tap into that talent, you know, that could be a really lucrative thing because probably you're passionate and you're good at it, and if you build on it, Mm -hmm. everyone else sees like, yeah, I can't actually do that, Yeah, or I don't know how you see that to put it
1: down, and all of a sudden... It works. You're in business. Yeah, Yeah. so how'd you get from... How'd you decide to take that leap from... Working for someone to working <laughs> for yourself.
2: <laughs> so I never was the entrepreneurial type. Like I, I never grew up saying I'm not going to work for the man and I'm going to yeah. work for myself. Um, I like having rules and limits and being told what to do. And I have this many days off and I, I like, I've always liked rules. I like following rules. I and, love um, rules. I was mm-hmm. a really boring <laughs> friend <Yeah>. growing up. <laughs> I was too. I was like
1: the one. I was like, guys, like, let's not do this. I don't know. Like, I feel like we're
2: gonna get in trouble. Yeah, that's it. I had yeah. some friends in Richmond once trying to get me to go to a park at night after it was dark, and yeah, we were super lame homeschool kids, and we weren't gonna get into any trouble. But I was like, guys, I can't do this. I have to go home. He was like, guys, I don't um, know. so I, I always liked having a boss. I liked being told what to do. I liked having someone else handle the. Like, they know what's what's coming down the pike. They know that we've got this going on next month, and, and I never had to worry about that stuff. I just mm-hmm. know that I have this, and it's due on Friday. Yeah. And so when I, I was in D.C., I loved my job, and my husband and I got engaged, and my husband's a web developer, and he got offered a really great job here in Richmond, and I'm from here, so I never had an issue with the idea of potentially moving back one day we decided to move back and I went from having this great job for years that I loved to being jobless and Mm -hmm. not knowing what I was going to do. And so I kind of had this string of working for companies that it just, it just, something didn't feel right. And I, I worked for one company where I loved what I was doing, but I didn't love the company. And then I, I moved and went to another company where I, um, I didn't love the work I was doing, but I loved the people. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but still it was like, I was trying to find the perfect fit and I couldn't find it. And so, um, when we were trying to buy a house, I said, Oh, I'll just, I'll just amp up my, my freelance stuff on the side. And so I started, I would go to work in the morning and I would come home at night and I would hop on the computer and I would be there till 11 o'clock and then I would kiss my husband good night. And that would be basically what I saw of him and after like five months of doing that and um, at one point even in my day job I was working between 60 and 70 hours a week and doing the freelance on the side I remember my husband coming to me and saying you have to quit something Um, it was at that point you know we'd been married for barely a year and you really have to you have to prioritize your marriage and so I thought oh well I'll quit the freelance and he said well what if you, what if you did this full time? Oh my gosh. Okay. Hold on. Pause. I want to
1: <laughs> so one of the things I don't think we've touched on a lot is like, I mean, we touched on it a little bit with you, Zeus but like when you're married to somebody, you know, you do as much as we're, you know, as strong as I believe in like, you know, girl power or whatever, blah, blah. Like when you enter into a marriage with somebody, like you are in a partnership with that yeah. person. So like, I think a lot of times you hear stories of people being like, no, you have to like choose this or that or whatever. But like, it sounds like he was saying like, no, you need to like choose something that you're passionate about. And like, I'm going to support you when you're doing this. It's like, what does that feel like? How do you, like, how did that happen? (laughs) How did you find this person that like
2: does that? Like I found him online. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, he's wonderful. He, he was so much more confident that I could do it than I was. And he Ugh. was the one pushing – I know, it's wonderful. My heart. He was the one really pushing me to do it, and he, he is – he's really wonderful. During the times when I feel like I can't do it or things aren't going well, he really steps up and reminds I, – I was on the phone with him on my way here and say – you know, talking to him about the podcast and – and he said, You started telling me all the things he loves about me, on how, and all the things that he thinks I'm so good at. And I was like, Oh, this is, I should do this more often. This is wonderful. Oh my God. <laughs> That's amazing. amazing. Oh, that's so
1: so special to find someone that really supports, like, your journey as well and, like, your entrepreneurship goals and, like, all that stuff. That's so awesome. I just (laughs) – I don't have any other words for that. But what we were talking about – so I'm really good at being a Nazi and making people stop talking when we get into, like, really juicy
2: stuff (laughs) and, like,
1: before, the little, like, the powwow beforehand. So one of the things that we were talking about is how you were kind of, like, nervous about coming on because you're like, oh, my gosh, like, I don't know – I don't feel like I've been in this long enough, or I don't feel like I know what to talk about, or, like, I don't have anything to talk about. Yeah. Like, that's not true, as we have (laughs) found. So, um, oh, bless you, Jack. (laughs) So, let's talk a little bit about the, I guess, anxiety that comes with the whole, like, imposter syndrome thing. Because I feel like that's something that, as... Women, we experience a little bit more, and I don't think it's talked about as much. Yeah. So, what is it like? You know, what are some of the things that you do to help you deal with those feelings of inadequacies and those feelings like, oh, I can't do this, or I don't know what I'm doing? Because I mean, I feel like that a lot. I know, like, a ton of people I talk to who are always like, what do we do? I don't know. Let's figure it out. I don't know yeah. what I'm doing. So, what are some of the? How do you cope?
2: Oh gosh. Um I don't think I have figured out the best coping method yet. Sometimes it's just calling my husband. <laughs> yeah, sounds like he's um, a great support. Yeah, it sounds like he's, he's awesome. He's, he's hey a really husband. Hey, <laughs> Travis. He said, "Do you want me to come with you? I'll be with you if you want." I oh saying, my God, no, that's okay. <laughs> my um, heart. So I, I feel like, in Richmond, there are so many amazing women doing so many awesome things, and I see that, and I think you know it makes me feel inadequate, and you know, I'm new. I'm starting to figure things out, and well, that person's got it together, and this person knows what they're doing, and this like, person's super self-doubt. successful. Yeah. And then that also kind of bleeds into the whole comparing game. And Ugh. you want to – I mean, enrichment is a really great place to be a creative, I think, because there's so much of this community over competition vibe. Yeah. And so you have a lot of people who well, they want to help you out, and you should network with people in your industry as opposed to just doing this competition – Mm -hmm. But when you do that, you start to see other people that are doing things way better than you. And this person has 13,000 Instagram followers and, and, you know, she's selling packages at X amount. And I look at their work and it's really hard for me to not see that and think, why am I doing what I'm doing? This person's better than me. Everyone should just go to them. And I forget that people don't just purchase your product because of your product. People purchase your product because of you. And so I was listening to this, this YouTube sort of educational tutorial today by this really cool company. And, um, they were talking about sort of the, another side of branding where it's not the visual side of it. And they were saying how you shouldn't be, uh, they, they quoted some guy that I cannot for the life of me, remember who it was, <laughs> but they said, it was like, you shouldn't be somebody that you're not. Like you can't be something that you're not, but you can be more of who you are. And um, I think that really just kind of resonated with me because you shouldn't, it's so easy to look around at what everyone else is doing and try to mimic that. But if you do that, you're not going to build your brand. People, You're not going to get more clients or more customers. You need to figure out who you are and be your true authentic self.
0: I just posted something that said like, instead of focusing on what you want, Mm-hmm. What if we start asking who we are in that way that it's like instead of what I think sometimes when we focus on what we want, we focus on what we see and we see, you know, what we want often in the mix, like all the people that we want to be like, mm-hmm. or it's like this want to be something other than ourselves because we see other people killing it, or we see this ideal or this vision that is something that we're striving for. And that can sometimes lead to these, like, really bad feelings about ourselves that we aren't yeah. enough or that there is this comparison thing or that, like, will never amount to, like, who we're supposed to be. But if we start asking questions about who it is that we are in our career, in our life, like, what is it that we have to provide the world or, you know, our clients, then all of a sudden the questions become a little more meaningful and it's like, oh wait, I do have something to offer, and this is what I'm good at, and mm-hmm. this is what I enjoy doing, and I think it, it just frames our career and situation in a different way than it would have if we ask what we want instead of, like,
1: what it is we have to give. That's a good idea. Because that's a really good point because I feel like most people want, like, money and fame or, like, money and recognition or, like, money and et cetera, et cetera, but, like, you're not... Like, I feel like money doesn't come if you're not...
2: Authentic? Yeah, it's just like you were saying. I think, yeah, if you, if you seek the fame and the money, chances are I feel like you're following all these other people who have figured it out and you're trying to be those people and you think if I try to be those people, then all that stuff's going to come when that's not really the case. So one of my friends, Katie Warren, who does Badass Booth, she's amazing, by the way, she, she's so cool. I found her on Instagram. So awesome. She has actually helped me a lot, and I think she's actually a really good representation of a lot of the women I've met in Richmond who are like, I can uh, let me help you out. Uh, she's giving me so much guidance on Instagram and social media, and she's just been wonderful. And I feel like a lot of people they have their secrets and they don't want to share mm-hmm. them. I remember sitting with her, and we were just something as simple as your your little the bio, the one sentence that you get on Instagram. Yes. And I think mine just said a small design studio specializing in branding and stationery in Richmond. And that's all I said. And I remember that she said to me, you you need to describe more of who you are because there are a million design studios in Richmond, let alone in the country. And you need to tell people who you truly are because people are going to hire you because of who you are, not just because of what you do. It's going to yeah. be a combination of the two. And so um, this... This video that I uh, that I was watching about how to build an authentic brand was talking a lot about how I think it, I think they were talking about a, a lawyer. They said, you know, you might be looking for for a lawyer, but there are a million out there. Right. So somebody might be looking for the the, the vegan feminist lawyer, and if right. that's who you are, they're like, then oh my god, me, you're gonna get more yeah. of your dream clients. And so it really made me. Uh, take a step back and think about well, who are the clients that I want to attract? Who am I really? What do, what kind of work do I actually want to do? And then try and craft it in that way. So that way I'm attracting those specific people and who not just it? trying to catch to, to catch everyone. So the type of design that I really love to do is I like a lot of greenery, I like very minimalist style stuff. I love black and white. I love more edgy stuff. A lot of the fonts I like are a little bit on the edgy, but still kind of sleek side and brushy, but like not like not like curly (laughs) brushy,
1: more like I've been like I have your website up on my on two (laughs) literally two like devices right now. Um, yeah, I love that. I think that's really cool because there's a lot of people who do the like soft pale, Mm -hmm. whatever like pale color, lots of
2: florals, and and I do a lot of that stuff. Yeah, um, when people come to me and they ask, I get a lot of brides. They want yeah, they want the the, the peach color and the blush and the florals and that stuff's beautiful. And I totally do it and I love it, but I really, really love sort of the more edgy stuff. And so I changed my bio to say sleek and edgy branding and wedding stationery. And as a result, I have started getting more people who see my Instagram and they see what I do and they kind of want to be more in that line because you see the, the pretty floral, you know, frou-frou stuff everywhere And you don't normally see this kind of stuff, so.
1: Yeah, well, what differentiates that from, like, you know, one person from the other? I think it's, like, you said something really good about, like, separating it all. And one of the things I really like about your website is you're very, like, upfront about, like, in your things you love. You're, like, my husband, my rescue, (laughs) my coffee, Capri Blue Volcano candles. I'm always, like, what do I say about myself that, like, makes people actually think I'm a human instead Mm -hmm. of, like, whatever? And I love that you're just, like. The Bachelor franchise. I love Speaking the Bachelor. of which, can we have a moment and talk about
2: Bachelor, Bachelor Paradise? Paradise.
1: <laughs> what are
2: we gonna do? I'm info? upset. I part of me is wondering if it's a big publicity. Sense. I think it might be because it has to do with Corinne. But I kind of have to is. hope that it is because I I don't know what I'm gonna do with the end of my summer. What's happening?
1: There is a sexual investigation. I think they said sexual.
2: Assault. Misconduct. Misconduct, there we it, go. It's it, it sounds like there were two contestants and one was a little too drunk to give consent to anything and that sounds like some producers and some of the cast members came up and said, Hey, we we're concerned we don't think this person is in their right mind and can be giving consent. You should stop the cameras. We should stop everything. Yeah. And they kept rolling. And I guess when the girl found out the next day, she didn't remember any of it. And it's just a whole thing.
1: And so- the, <laughs> yeah, right. And then so, like, part of me, I'm like, oh, it's probably a publicity stuff. But at the same time, I was just like, oh my god, I'm such a bad feminist because I don't believe this poor girl. Like something happened to this poor girl. I know. Like, or guy. I mean, maybe it happened maybe like something. I do feel like, like it I might know. be true. Whoever it is.
2: Yeah, Sorry. I All know. right.
1: That's okay. Hey, I'm Andrea. very, very,
2: po- you know. I know you had, had this conversation.
1: conversation about the <laughs> oh my God, I love it. I know because you've invited yeah. me to some stuff, and I've been like, for some
2: reason, I've always had sh- stuff happening. I watch parties every Monday night, and when the season is not airing, we watch old seasons. That's how Amazing. obsessed I am. I used to be embarrassed about it. Now I just own it. I don't no, care. That's, I who it. that's who you are. That's <laughs> you part of me. Like, and that's part of your brand. It's like, that's who you are. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Continue.
1: So, like, I love, I mean, I feel like it's really cool how you have, like, your brand matches your house, matches your, like, I don't know, whatever I'm saying doesn't actually make sense. It even matches my dog. Like, your dog is cute. (laughs) Like, everything in here together is just, like, all cute. Thank you. So, how did
0: you come up with your ideal clientele, or how did you distinguish, like, this is my branding? So, you went from working for, not yourself. To working for yourself and then what was that process like to say, okay, now I'm gonna do this thing and this is my niche and this is what I want to do? How did that kind of transpire?
2: So that's actually kind of interesting because it was a lot more organic than I think it it should have been. So I one of the things I specialize in is brand development. And it's so interesting to see that I can do it so easily for somebody else, but for me.
1: It yes. was it
2: was an, it was ridiculous. Um, I quit my job, and I had the name. Uh, I I knew I had to create the logo and sort of the branding, and I know the process that I go through for clients, and I just couldn't do it for myself. So, how did you come up with Guestroom Creative? It's not as as it's not deep. <laughs> not, it have to be my uh, we we recently bought a house, and I thought. Oh, I'm going to have the guest room be my office. And I go to this really cool networking event called Creative Mornings here in Richmond. Oh, and yeah. And it's really great. And they had a speaker last fall, I think it was, or last last winter. And their, I think their name was Pool House Collective. I think they were like a political ad agency. Mm-hmm. And I remember them saying, we made our name that because we started in a pool house. Yeah. And I called my husband on the way home and I was like, I'm going to be Guest Room Creative. And I kind of laughed, and I was just being silly. And he said, I kind of like that. Yeah. and Again, so supportive. It Men, was, supporting women. <laughs> it was sort of the placeholder name for a while, and then it just kind of stuck. And so the funny thing is, is now because my, my dog wants to go in and out and in and out and in and out of the backyard constantly – I actually moved my office down to the living room. So I'm no longer <laughs> the in the guest, guest room. room. So it doesn't make sense anymore. I but... like room creative more than
1: living room creative.
0: Though. Yeah. Me <laughs>
2: too. Or backyard creative. Or... <laughs> or kitchen creative. Or the random Unless coffee shop like, creative. Culinary. Oh yeah. Or random I... coffee shop and, <laughs> and creative. Right. I actually, um... I forgot what I was going to say.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's funny that you bring that up because um, Barbara and Nick of Helm and Hugh I had the office next to them, Barbara Wiley. She's an amazing, another Richmond boss babe. And then Nick, Tochi, who is very <laughs> supportive of everything female related. They took forever to do their own branding. And like we had offices and we could basically hear through the walls. So like <laughs> I would hear them being in there like, we gotta do this. Like we've got to figure out our own branding. Like we do everybody else's, but we have to mm-hmm. do ours. Um, and they would like, it would became a joke around the office with them. They'd be like, yeah, I've still, we still haven't done our branding yet. It's fine. So they
2: were just like. Yeah, I remember I would create like three pages worth of, of different types of logos with my name in it. And I would shop them around to friends and family. I would post them to Facebook groups and I would po- poll people on what they liked the most. And I never liked what everyone else liked. Yes! I could never land on, It was almost like if I'm branding myself... It has to be the best brand I've ever done, right? Right. But my feelings on styles change constantly. So I would make something and then a couple weeks later I would think, I can't believe I liked that. Yeah. So I ended up just making something very simple. So the logo that I have now, I had 15 other versions of that logo with other things around it. Mm -hmm. And I ended up just saying, you know what? I need to just decide on something. I need to just pick something that's simple. Maybe I will expand on it down the road. Maybe I won't. And then um, I just kind of ran with it. I thought I need, to, I need to just get a logo and go. And I can always rebrand later if I need to. Yeah. But the greenery and the black and white, I always personally liked that. I never specifically picked that for my brand, but it just kind of happened organically. And I remember sitting down and looking at my my social media and trying to decide. Like I, I really wanted people to be able to go to my Instagram and say, wow, this looks really cohesive. This looks really good. This girl knows what she's doing. Uh, yeah. Because I do with my clients, but for some reason with myself, I just, it's just so much harder. Yeah. So, my personal Instagram yeah. is a
1: hot mess, but, like, <laughs> my, like, work Instagram is a little bit better. It's a little bit, like, I try to be a little bit better with it. And yeah. I'd like, be like, okay, everything
2: should be, like, filtery this way. Yeah. And I
1: try to, my personal Instagram, I'm just like, no, don't care. This is literally <laughs> just, like...
2: That's actually been one of the things that I've found to be... The most interesting but the hardest is that when you are, like, with social media posts, you want to be really intentional about what you're doing. And so I want, I have, you know, there's apps you can download that show you. You can upload all your pictures and move them around and see how they look the best. And so I remember, I think it was last week, I posted a picture one morning of me holding coffee. And it was from my business photo shoot. My hair is super cute. My makeup is perfect. And I'm wearing Mm -hmm. a cute outfit. I mean, it is staged. But the way I posted it makes it sound like that's just me on a Thursday morning drinking yeah. my coffee. And I remember feeling like that was so that just was not authentic. And so at right. the same time I posted a an Instagram story picture of what I actually looked like. That that's morning. amazing. I <laughs> love that. Oh my god. Everyone needs to do that. There is a, a hashtag going around. I think it's real Instagram. I'm not sure if that's what it is. Oh. People, you know what? Yeah. A lot of the, the, the bachelor, um, people from Bachelor Nation, nation are doing <laughs> it. So, um, uh, I decided to jump on it. But I think that, uh, Instagram and social media has become curated very, yeah. And I think it, it needs to be in a sense, but you also kind of want to find that, that balance between being authentic and being intentional without being
0: fake, I think. And I think that goes back to kind of thinking about who you are as an individual or a business or a brand versus, like, everyone else. Because I think sometimes I know one of my things is when I look at Instagram and I look at other people's feeds, like, and immediately I'm like, oh, mine isn't like that. Mm-hmm. And I think as I think about growing a business, like, there is that intentionality. But as soon as I start trying to be someone else and I lose my voice. Right. Right all of a sudden like it feels so fake and I think people especially people who know you or know your business or know who you are feel that I think you know people what I always am so surprised like when I post like such an authentic genuine Instagram post that I didn't think that much about but just like spoke to me in a moment the amount of likes it gets versus yeah. likes when I like actually try to put something, like, something up that's somewhat meaningful you or like <laughs> has some kind of like purpose in a different way than just coming from my heart mm-hmm. It there's a vast contrast it's like yeah. the stuff that comes from my heart are so much more well, re- well received than anything that I like spend time planning for or right. accounting for or looking for that like quote unquote like this is my image type of thing right. and I'm like ha this is.
2: <laughs> John try so hard yeah, that's hard.
1: Um, I'm, I'm actually looking through your Instagram right now. <laughs> it's weird. It's fine. Um.
0: You're going to have, like, 20 likes. I kind of know. Right, like, right. <laughs> right, right. Right. You're, <laughs> You're right. going to be like, oh, my
1: God. <laughs> so, I think one of the things. Oh, I had a really good question. I forgot it. <laughs>
2: Damn it.
1: Oh. No. It was a personal story. Do you know that. I tweeted at the Bachelor, and they put it. Remember, like a couple seasons ago, <gasps> I when I saw like,
2: that. I was so jealous.
1: It's like the one thing Ugh. that I'm famous for, and then other than that, it's nothing. It's really awesome. Anyway, that's a personal story <laughs> that literally doesn't matter. I tweeted something me. about lawyers. I was like, "All lawyers on the Bachelor are crazy." And then and they like, like picked like, it up.
0: Hashtag pick me.
1: <laughs> hashtag pick
0: me, guys.
1: Right? Um, I'll be
0: your normal lawyer.
1: So let's talk about. Do you have anything new to talk about? Hmm.
2: Everything. Mm-hmm.
1: the meaning of life
2: the meaning of life. don't have the answer to that
1: yeah I wish but I did I too <laughs> so how do you go what's like the way that you managed taking that leap of faith when you're coming from what sounds like you know especially in the graphic design community a pretty great kind of sitch
2: mm-hmm.
1: knowing that financially you're going to have to plan more and do things like how do you line that up and like make it all work that's a really broad question
2: I, that's okay. So I'm five, five and a half, ish months in, mm-hmm. and I don't think I have an answer to that question. That's fine. um I Yeah, don't do that I think hopefully I will at some point. That's probably the one thing that makes me the most nervous. I would say I think about it all the time. Is am I going to get enough clients this month? Am I going to be able to pay the bills? Was this a good decision? Should I not have quit my job? Should I have kept doing this on the side? And I think that. That fear is something that a lot of people deal with and a lot of people feel, but it's not talked about a lot because I think everyone wants to feel like they've got it together and they don't want to show that side of things. It's that fake it till you make it mentality. Like, I think it's so good to kind of have that within you,
1: but... It's good and bad. Yeah, it's (laughs) good and bad. Like, not acknowledging the fact, like, okay, this is freaking scary and, like... You know, when I run bills every month, I'm like, oh, thank God! Like, yeah, it made it this month. Like, mm-hmm.
0: well, I, I lo- can eat. <laughs> what I love about if anyone's read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, she always says that she sees fear there, and she sees kind of that like creative potential, and so she's always like, I see you fear, and I'm going to put you in the back seat. Right. Like you're in the back seat, I can see you in my rear view rear, rear, rear view mirror but you're not up in the
2: driver's seat with me like me and my creativity we're running the show you almost want to make it um make it like that is actually motivating you Mm -hmm. to do more and there have been so many times the first couple of my the months of my business I got really lucky and I was turning I, I was turning clients away I was so busy And I thought, oh, this is awesome. This is how it's going to be forever. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's, there's waves in business and sometimes you have great months, sometimes you don't. And the last two months were a little, were not quite the same. Mm -hmm. And so I constantly found myself being scared. And I think that it, it sort of pushed me to stop and think, okay, well, what can I do? And how, how can I get more business? How can I get my name out there? And I will say the best thing that I ever could have done for my business was to invest in a business coach. Mm-hmm. And I will give it, an awesome shout out to Shannon from Lemon Umbrella because she's amazing. Who and I love. She's wonderful. I worked yeah. with her for the first couple months of my business. And there were times when we had meetings where she was telling me groundbreaking things and, and she was giving me so much help. And then there were other times where I felt like she was just my business therapist or she was... Helping give me confidence and helping to talk me through things. And it really was wonderful. But I I know that I would not be where I am today without having had those couple of months with her. Sorry, I'm going to ask you a really quick question. Sure. There are
1: so many, like, bad business coaches out there. And I think it's really important because Shannon's a good one. So, like, how do you go about finding a good a, – A, good business coach. <laughs> B, like, one, not only a good business coach, but, like, one that you kind of drive with and who gets – your mission, your like soul essentially.
0: You so, just meet Shannon.
2: You moved to Anna.
1: Richmond, you meet right. Shannon and then right. everything else falls into place.
2: Somebody recommended her to me and I went to her website. I really liked her website. I watched a video or two where I heard her talking and she just, she sounded like somebody I would, I would really enjoy to talk to and get along with. And so I set up a meeting with her. And she actually reminded me of my best friend who lives in Michigan. And there was just something about her. I felt like she was my best friend with just a different face. <laughs> she's good at that. Yeah. There were there were times where I I would be in meetings with her and I would have to remind myself that she's my business coach. She's not my best friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she's, I mean, she's she's just awesome. And it it really is great to have that balance between someone who makes you feel really comfortable but they're also gonna tell you the hard things that somebody who loves you unconditionally might not tell you like yeah, your, husband, life, your <laughs> husband or your best friend. and quick
0: <laughs> plug like if we're talking about Shannon like when I was gonna start this raw vegan food business Shannon sat down with me just to like hear more about it and see like if maybe we would want to work together at some point and she was I loved her so much because she was like Susie you need to sit down and look at the numbers and decide if you really want to make as many raw cakes as you're going to have to make to make this business work. Right. She was like, Mm -hmm. knowing you just the little bit that I know you, you, like, people, you have more to offer than, like, putting your wisdom into treats. (laughs) And, like, I'm not going to tell you what to do because you need to figure that out. But, like, eh, you just need to think about that. And so I met her and I was like, thank you, Shannon. I'm going to go process (laughs) this. I'm going to think about it. And then I came back from Bali, and I was like, yeah, I don't want to make raw food, um, and I don't want to have a food business. And then Shannon was like, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, you needed to figure that out.
2: But, like, yeah, good well, she, for you. She was funny. She she asked me what I, what I wanted to focus on, and I said, well, I'm going to do, you know, every kind of graphic design. I'm going to do branding, and I'll do wedding stationery and paper goods, and I'll do – corporate collateral and I'll do this mm-hmm. and that I'm gonna have an Etsy page I'm gonna go to this market and I'm gonna have a booth here and she was like no 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 no. <laughs> no you're not pick a couple of things that you can realistically do and do them really really well so how did you know you'd found a
1: like good business coach you know did it was it just like oh, that's a stupid question that's not a stupid question it's like it's <laughs> such a hard question to answer
0: well, I think sometimes, like, when you're choosing any kind of coach, it's that, like, authentic connection. Yeah. It's, like, knowing that they're invested in you and not the investment that they're getting in their bank account. Mm-hmm. Like, when someone's willing to say, like, this is what I see in you and this is how I can support you to become successful. And, like, it is about them and their business, but ultimately their focus should be on you as their client. Then... It transcends any kind of, like, the energy exchanges mm-hmm. between the both of you and not just coming at her direction, saying, like, oh, cool, come into my network of people. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and then, like, it's it's sussing out sometimes, you know, what do you actually offer me? Like, how can you see my business growing? And do you believe in my business?
2: Because if you don't believe in my business, right. like, yeah, I wouldn't want to hire you. That's right. I felt like... She, I I think that with our first meeting, I mean, it sounded like she did her research or maybe she'd worked with somebody in my industry before, but she knew a lot of what she was talking about and I felt like it was this good combination between, I felt like she believed in me, but I also felt like she would have no problem telling me if I was wrong, if I was doing something incorrectly, um, and that proved to be true. So she was just, she was really great in that sense. It felt like you were meeting with a best friend, but there was also still that little bit of fear, which was really great because she would give you homework and then I would be terrified to not complete it. Yeah. She's like this little itty bitty person for anyone who's like, she's like a tiny little, she's probably pregnant
1: at that point too. She was very pregnant. Oh my God. God love it. Um, (laughs) Well, like, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I
0: was going to say, in any kind of coaching situation, whether it's business or health or like figuring out who the fuck you are, it's that piece of the accountability of, like, they don't know you on a personal level, and they're not your friend. They're there to be a mentor right? kind of figure and to to call you out on your bullshit when it doesn't always feel good. Right. Um, And not everyone in your life can do that, and even your mentors who know you on a personal level sometimes... Like, can't really do that because we're, like, as human beings, mm-hmm. somewhat resistant to the information yeah, that yeah. someone That's provides dope.
2: us. And she'll do it, but, I mean, she does it well. Mm-hmm. But she's, she is, she's wonderful. How do you accept criticism,
1: as a, especially as a creative, where you have to be able to, like, defend your shit and, like, mm-hmm. or, like, be able to, like, well, you kind of fall in love with, like, you put your yeah. heart and soul into something. What's it like, for you know? For
0: client not to support your well, idea. Well, either
1: for a client not to support you or for, like, someone to, like you know, who has expertise in maybe different areas to come mm-hmm. in and be like, okay, you need to change this. Like, what is your process like? Because it sounds <laughs> like you have at least figured out a way to accept criticism in a way that, like, right. helps build you.
2: Yeah, that is that is definitely something It's taken me a while to sort of figure out. I think I'm a people pleaser, and so I, um, if I think someone doesn't like something I've done or they don't like me, it will just, like, ruin me. And so it, it took almost all through my twenties, just to try and get over that a little bit. Right. And so it's hard in design because when you're creating something, you are, you're creating it. It's a baby. So, yeah. It's my baby. And so you really have to remember that not everyone is going to like what you do. And then when they, when they give you feedback, if it's not positive, it, they're not trying to be mean. And so, um, I actually, one of my first clients Uh, We struggled a little bit at the beginning for, think that there was sort of a a disconnect between her knowing what she wanted. And so she would request things from me and I would create them and it wouldn't be what she really had in her mind. I don't think she knew how to express it. And so I learned very quickly that if I have a client write me and they give me feedback and the feedback isn't, oh my gosh, you're amazing. I love everything. We're done. Mm -hmm. I get on the phone with them. Because I think that it's very... For somebody like me, where I do take things a little bit more personally than I should, um, it's very easy for me to read that and, and feel hurt and feel like they're, they they don't like what I've created. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it's not necessarily what they need. It doesn't mean they don't like it. They, it's just not what they need for this project. And so getting on the phone 99% of the time they're super happy and they love working with me. They just want a couple of tweaks. And so that's one thing that I've had to had to start doing. But that's, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> Another
0: thing, I don't know if you or any of our listeners, like I also am pretty sensitive sometimes to people's feedback. <laughs> um, the book that really helped me was The Four Agreements by... The what? The Four Agreements. The Four Agreements. Ooh. It's somewhere in my house by Dawn... Something rue us, it's amazing. It's just like recognizing that how people respond to us is just their stuff and their projections. And especially, I think, if you are a creative or you're producing something or trying to help someone and you have this information, but maybe the other person that you're giving it to or you're providing it for, they don't receive it as favorably or not in the way that your expectation was set. Like, one, that's your projection of, like, what you think that they need. And, two, like, they also are projecting at you all of their experiences that might have nothing to do with you, but it's, like, who they are and what they've learned and this and that. And, essentially, the message is just, like, you're good. You're (laughs) You're good, (laughs) y'all. You're good. But it's it's really the way that it's written is just, like, a helpful tool when you're, like – I can get caught up in, right. ooh, how did that go over? What was that like? Or shit, like, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. Um, when the reality is, is, like, that's just me making, like, a bigger thing out of something right. that probably didn't even happen. Yeah.
2: And especially if your business is so new. I mean, for me, I find myself always overthinking things constantly just because I'm like, I, I want to do this right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's tough. I mean, I'm when I first started my practice,
1: I, like... Oh my god. I first of all I undercharge people, which is a whole conversation in itself because you're just like, "Uh, like I want people to like me and uh, and I want people to not want to pay me and I want uh. so anyway. Shannon beat that out of me." Yeah, so that's good. <laughs> see I should have done that way back not when. <laughs> bad, yeah, yeah. No, you're mm-hmm. worth Hashtag. Um, but yeah, it's just being able to be like this is what I did. This is my thing. It's good. I'm going to send it out now.
2: Right. Yeah. How do you know when that's how you know when it's time? Well, lucky for me, I work with people who have to approve it. They tell me when it's time. That is true. Okay, yes. cool.
0: <laughs> well, let me ask you, so it sounds like kind of coming into your own and building confidence is something that has been something you've been working with since the start of your career mm-hmm. from getting into graphic design and kind of you've come face to face with it, especially as an entrepreneur. So, what are some techniques, especially for people listening who are working on building their self efficacy Mm -hmm. or their belief in themselves or just having this great idea that they see so clearly, but that first step is so hard? What would you recommend to those that are like about to embark on this path or those that are just like mulling it over in their minds and just are working toward it?
2: I think that's a hard question because there's, you know, there's the logical side of me that in my in my situation, I started thinking about doing this while I was doing all my freelance on the side, and I was probably doing a good 15 to 20 hours a week of freelance on the side. Oh, my God. And, and so, so how so, did you
0: start that? Like, how did you find clients and, and build a freelance component of your business?
2: The one of, one of the first jobs I took when I moved back to Richmond and I left to go work somewhere else I actually kept, when I left, I I worked out a contract with them where I would help them out for a little while until they hired someone else. And I ended up continuing to help them out for almost a year, I think, after that. And so that was actually, I had that client until um, maybe uh, two months ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so that's a confidence builder. Like they want, they want to
1: work with you. Like, even though you've left, they're like, no, stay with us, please.
2: Um, and I, the company that I was with for a couple of years in, in DC, I, around the same time i actually picked up as well, um, they ended up starting to use me. And so I actually still work with them. They're my only corporate client right now, but I obviously love them so much. <laughs> and so, uh, I so I sort of had I got really lucky and that I, I was in a really good situation. So when it did come time to to quit and start my own business, I was already left with I had this this buffer. I could pay all my bills with my side work. And I think that if I didn't have that, I so my situation was a little bit different. I know for I know a girl right now who she she spoke to me a couple weeks ago and she does graphic design. She really, really wants to do what I'm doing. And I I feel bad because I don't know, I don't think I have the best advice necessarily for somebody like that because you definitely don't want to just say, oh, I'm going to do this and then just jump ship and then not know how you're going to be able to pay your bills. Yes. You want to sort of find that balance between being logical and being smart about it, but still pursuing your dream. And sometimes that just means keep staying at your job and just adding more and more side stuff until you feel comfortable to make that jump. Mm-hmm. Um, but even still, you know, owning your own business, nothing is ever for sure. I mean, I could have my my corporate client I'm working with now could call me tomorrow and decide that they're outsourcing everything. So, yeah, I don't have the best answer for that. But it's a real answer. answer.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, in all honesty – when you think about partnerships, and some of our listeners probably are single and really mm. figuring out things on their own, but I know for myself, like... Shout
1: out to <laughs> all my single ladies. in relationship. Well, yeah, but he doesn't pay for anything. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 100% single lady. Single ladies,
0: but I think you know for those who you are fortunate to be in relationship. I with, wish the listeners could see her dance right now. I know. You know, this is why Facebook Live is like such an important. We've got a Facebook <laughs> one day, one day. God, um, we're like we're just gonna have these YouTube videos that will actually have some like faces and not just like a screen. But um, I mean, that's that's the thing is like if you figure out there are so many different ways you could. Find a side hustle. You could stick it out Mm -hmm. in a job that feels, like, uncomfortable until, like, your partner is able to, like, kind of pull a little bit more weight so that you can figure it out. Because there are so many variables into making your dream a reality that I'm someone who's, like, so easy to get into the dreamy world of, like, ooh, this is what I want to happen. And, like, (laughs) ooh, I see it all so vividly. And I'm also such a goal-setter and achiever that when I start getting into that fiery zone, Like, I kind of, like, am blinded by the dreaminess, and then it becomes, like, (laughs) I'm going to do everything. And there is a happy balance between that dreamy world and that practical world and making Mm -hmm. things work in a way that won't burn you out and makes things feel exciting every step of the way instead of like either living in fear and scarcity or living in like
2: it will be okay everything is good and I did I did have a game plan my husband and I started talking about it I think at the end of end of the fall last year Mm -hmm. and I didn't officially quit until January and so I think depending on you know no matter what situation you're in if you're really really passionate about about doing something like this, mm-hmm. then I think that it would be, you know, in your best interest to sit down and say, you know, how can I do it? How can I accomplish it? What, what do I need to do to be able to do this? And to sort of set an end goal. And so I had actually planned to quit my job at the end of the fall. And then a couple of things happened and I decided to wait and, and push that off because it just didn't make sense at the time. Mm-hmm. But that's it, such, I think that's such good advice because so many times people are
1: like, no, I need to set a date and I need to do it. But like, Being flexible flexible is okay. Flexibility
0: is so important. But also the commitment to go all in when it's time is also just as important. Can't be wishy-washy on starting your business. Yeah. It's either, like, (laughs) I'm side hustling with this end goal Mm -hmm. and I can be flexible in what that looks like. Or, like, I'm saving this amount of money so that I have a cushion so that when I can go all in, I'm all in. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, if you don't make that commitment, it's, like, all of a sudden... You're like, well, there are other things I could do too. Like I'm not there. Like I can get distracted. But when you're like, this is it. This is driving me. Fear is in the back seat. I'm moving <laughs> forward. Like I'm propelled. It's like, okay, here we go.
1: Speaking of here we go, we gotta get ready and go. So if we want to find you or people want to find you online, where do they go?
2: Oh, you can find me at guestroomcreative.com. It's my website. Um, I do a lot on Instagram. My Instagram Instagram is just Guestroom Creative. It's beautiful. In. Yeah. It's, it's really exactly pretty. Exactly spelled how it sounds. Guestroom mm-hmm. Creative. And guestroom is one word. One word, y'all.
1: Mm-hmm. Guestroom.
2: Well, it's everything's one word on Instagram. That's true. I love case.
1: Yep, love it. Mm-hmm. And okay, so Instagram and and I'm on online. Facebook,
2: but who uses Facebook,
1: right? Instagram's yeah. where it's at. Instagram's where it's at. yours is yeah. so
2: pretty. It's just like. Can't and I get all my inquiries are through my Facebook or, or my, my website or my Instagram. I don't do really? anything through Facebook, yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a necessary evil, but like, yeah, I yeah. have it. But, yeah. well, if you're interested
1: to find us or any of our back episodes, etc., etc., you can find us online at nexttuesdaypodcast.com. <laughs> you can also find us on Instagram and the Twitter at next podcast. And then if you want to email us, because we like emails, and we started getting some emails from people, which is great, email us at nexttwospodcast at gmail.com. Did I get everything right this time? Perfect. We're like 15 weeks in, and we still, like, get that wrong.
0: We want to hear from you, though, so (laughs) any feedback is great. Karen and I are going to begin to organize a focus group come August, where we want to continue to make these things meaningful for those listening and hear your thoughts. So if that's something that interests you and you've listened to a few episodes, email us again at podcast at gmail.com. We will be in touch as we create more details in the coming weeks. And we love you all. We'll see you next next Tuesday.
1: Tuesday.